Welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast. How will the European Green Deal change our lives? In this second episode, I'm talking to Bernd Bierfeld, head of unit at the European Commission's Research and Innovation Directorate. I asked Bernd about the scope of the European Green Deal and what we can expect over the next five to 10 years. From Bernd's replies, you get a glimpse of what it takes to bring change at societal level, which is fascinating. In the media, there's a tendency to glorify entrepreneurs who address specific needs, some of which are social, which is of course wonderful, but it's becoming clear that we need large-scale systemic change to address systemic problems. And this is the terrain of the European Commission. The Commission initiates laws, regulations and fiscal policies that drive systemic change across the continent. The question is, can it do so fast enough? And can it convince leaders of member states to embrace the necessary change? Let's listen to Bernd as he talks about the vision, the courage and the endurance that is needed to drive systemic change. My name is Jeroen Jans and thank you for joining the Inner Green Deal podcast. So welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast. Bernd, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Um, so Bernd, you work for the European Commission and uh, your work is directly related to the European Green Deal. So how does it feel to be working on an initiative that is so important for our future? Yes, for me uh, personally, I must say it's a, it's a great privilege uh, and very rewarding to be able to contribute personally, professionally to a priority, which is actually uh, uh, po um, policy priority number one in the European Commission. But it's not mm -hmm. only about the institution, but it's uh, about trying to help to save our planet. Right. After all, we are talking about uh, climate disaster threats, and this is something which is very rewarding if you can try to contribute to to limit the damage and uh, try to improve the situation on our planet. Mm, fantastic. Now, we've mentioned the, uh, the European Green Deal now a couple of times. So maybe could you, um, for our listeners, explain what are the primary goals of the European Green Deal? And then also give us a sense of how radically this will impact the lives of Europeans over, say, the next five to ten years. Yes, I would start by um, underlining what is the overarching uh, objective of the, the European Green Deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is to achieve uh, climate neutrality by, by 2050. Mm -hmm. um, so as to be able to, to contribute to uh, mitigate uh, the warming of our our um, at, at atmosphere. Um, there are a number of we call it work streams or areas which uh, uh, should contribute to this overarching uh, aim. In view of uh, what is really right now a, a huge existential threat for us, and mm -hmm. uh, this uh, terminology doesn't stem from myself. It has been uh, um, uh, been expressed by our heads of states uh, just recently. We are really um, under an existential threat, and so um, we are looking, and the, the European Green Deal uh, is looking at uh, main areas which can contribute to this overarching objective, and this is notably in the area of agriculture culture, more sustainable uh, farming, uh, bioeconomy. It's about uh, stopping the decline in uh, biodiversity. Mm -hmm. It's about preserving ecosystems. It's looking at 
energy uh, supply, so at greening the supply, at improving the energy demand situation. Um, it's about uh, also avoiding or reducing uh the waste which we are producing so i'm talking about the very important area of circular economy mm -hmm. uh, it's about greening our industry just look at uh, um, potential solutions like uh, hydrogen um, but it's looking also at areas like like oceans uh, which can uh, also very much contribute uh, to to this overarching aim so um, again it's about uh, achieving carbon neutrality climate neutrality mm -hmm. by by 2050 radically reducing the emissions we are currently um, producing and uh, tackling the major areas which are currently contributing uh, to this uh, pollution if you want to say mm -hmm. so so this is extremely broad and we'll touch what you from what i hear is all aspects of our european society uh, and beyond now what can we expect um, as an impact and what can we see concretely over the next five to ten years happening and how should I see this more of an evolution or, or a revolution in the sense that it will radically change the way we produce and consume? I, I wouldn't uh, dare to um, to speak about a, a revolution, even if mm -hmm. uh, when we look at the existential threat we are we are facing uh, with the warming of our our um, uh, planet, uh, radical solutions are needed. Uh, we cannot waste any any time. Uh, look at the the many natural uh, disasters uh, we are we are we are we are facing. Um, what we are aiming is uh, to um, contribute to steering the necessary transitions. Uh, fast, but in a man manner that uh, no one feels left behind, because mm -hmm. in the end, uh, it's it's not about uh, imposing uh, top down. We have to take the citizens with us. Uh, it's not only about technological uh, solutions, but it's about um, also social in in innovations. It's about uh, behavior, consumer be uh, behavior. We have to start with uh, with our 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 ourselves. Um, so. I'm quite confident that uh, what we have embarked uh, all on in, in, in the EU will have a, a, a visible impact over the next five to ten years. If you look at industrial uh, processes uh, like, uh, for example, steel cement, uh, where with uh, new technological solutions uh, you can drastically reduce the, the emissions. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at uh, our agricultural sector, the use of pesticides, fertilizers, um, where also the aim is to to drastically reduce uh, the the use, uh, take the transport uh, system, so promoting more multimodal uh, use of transport, mm -hmm. um, reducing the emissions in the road sector, which is one of the huge contributors to 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 pollutions. Mm -hmm. um, so the electrification of transport. Um, the boost and uptake of uh, use of renewables, be it uh, solar, be it wind, uh, be it bioenergy, uh, for, for instance. And these are all sectors which can considerably contribute to uh, reducing, but also to improving the, the way of, of life. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not only about stipulating prohibitions, but it's really about improving the situations on the planet we are, we are, we are living in. Yeah. And um, therefore, I, I think we, we, we can manage in the next five to 10 years to have already a tangible impact on, mm -hmm. on the situation of our planet. Right, well, okay, so, so that sounds really uh, impressive and again, very broad and deep. Um, 
so you mentioned 2050 neutrality, which is uh, the overarching aim, and that's what you work towards. But I, I asked about the next five to 10 years because I think many listeners also have in mind, well, to what extent uh, will we meet our targets of the Paris Agreement, the 1.5 degrees? And um, if because if we don't, that will set us back and that may jeopardize like, the, the long-term goal. So I don't know if you can say something about that and the likely, likelihood or perhaps what needs to happen also in the member states to make that happen. Yes, um, we are um, um, discussing with, with the member states the, um, the national uh, targets, so how member states can uh, concretely uh, contribute to the overarching objectives. And uh, if we take, for example, the, the area of CO2 emissions, uh, where initially um, we had agreed that member states uh, EU-wide uh, should uh, reduce, as compared to 1990, their emissions by, by 40%. Uh, the new commission under um, President von der Leyen has now enhanced the ambition to try to reach uh, at least 50, if not 55 percent by 2030. So mm -hmm. in, 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 in 10 years. And we are working with member states uh, now also with impact assessments, how different sectors, industry, transport, uh, energy producers can contribute uh, concretely uh, to, to these uh, objectives. It's about also increasing uh, the energy efficiency in many areas. If you take, for example, the building uh, sector, take Brussels with uh, uh, often very old building building stocks, which are consuming a lot of energy, be it in the summer with uh, cooling or in the winter with with heating, mm -hmm. um, and where a lot can can be done by investing into into the energy efficiency uh, sector, also to reduce the the emissions. Um, and take the increase uh, of uh, the share of renewables, so to decrease the use of uh, fossil fuels, which are a huge contributor to, to the emission um, and pollution. So these are very concrete uh, objectives where we are working with, uh, with the member states uh, to achieve already by 2030 a considerable improvement of the current mm -hmm. situation. Fantastic. So our, our previous guest... Um, talked about indeed the, the need for systemic change. And this is what you mentioned. You work with the member states, you try to convince, uh, but at the end of the day, you also have uh, a climate law, right? Which makes it, um, which has, you know, inherently uh, a more systemic approach. How, how do you balance between the two? So you have a law, could you describe a little bit the potential impact of that versus what kind of the, the softer, I shouldn't say softer, but the engagement projects that you that you have going. Yes, the 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 climate law, which is um, right now still a draft proposal from from the European uh, Commission, mm -hmm. um, simply aims to enshrine the uh, climate ambition I, I mentioned at the beginning into legal uh, terms. Um, the question, of course, um, and it's a pretty short legal text. Uh, mm. How do you then uh, translate it in, into concrete uh, achievement? And there we are um, about uh, talking uh, about so-called climate target plans. So how to uh, achieve the CO2 emission reductions, how to increase energy efficiency and how to um, increase the use of uh, renewables and these are plans which are being discussed with the the member states so that they um, stipulate concretely their um, commitments 
Um, the we haven't had until now any climate law, so you, you rightly pointed out uh, this as a as an innovative uh, tool. But this is also a political tool to highlight that we are very serious about uh, our goal and our objective uh, to reach climate neutrality by 2050. Okay, and what um, roadblocks do you see there? What resistance? Because we can talk about um, involving citizens and to make consumer changes. But uh, how do you also involve, for instance, companies or other types of stakeholders in this? Yes, this is a very um, important element, and I'm glad you are uh, you are raising it uh, here because um, on the one hand uh, we are uh, we are talking about uh, trying to save our our planet, if I may say it in 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 rather emotional uh, terms, but we are really facing an existential uh, uh, threat, so it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it's very very serious. Um, but this is not um, the the whole project is not about inflicting. Uh, concern or um, or fear mm. uh, to 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 the citizens. We all have to be aware about the the threats we are facing, but we have to see it at the same time as a huge uh, opportunity and also as an economic uh, op opportunity. So the whole project we are embarking on with the with the green deal is also about modernizing our economy. Mm. Um, it's also in the context of globalization to strengthen the position of uh, of our companies that they can compete uh, in the medium and long term with uh, with other global global actors because those um, economic sectors and companies who invest uh, early on in green technologies will be uh, much better positioned mm -hmm. uh, la later on to, to compete on, on, on a global scale. So, uh, scale. so this is also an economic uh, opportunity, which uh, I think many, many companies uh, see and um, and are, are facing. I wanted to, in, in this context, also to mention that um, we should uh, not uh, lo lose sight that um, there are risks for, for companies if they lose or miss the train uh, often mm. what is said uh, is for example the so-called nokia uh, effect or the, right. the kodak uh, moment that if you miss a certain development you can you can disappear from 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 the market this might happen for example now in the in the car manufacturing uh, sector with the with the electrification the whole battery de development so it is also an economic uh, opportunity for 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 our our companies um, it's a very uh, complex and also cost intensive Uh, process we are, want to accompany this process also mm -hmm. um, on all different strands be it competition uh, law structural in incentives um, but it is also about as you rightly said uh, consumer behavior so it's not only about imposing mm -hmm. rules setting the right clear regulatory uh, framework um, but giving incentives for example uh, by by using uh, apps which show you uh, the the how much you you emit when you buy a certain product so it's it's giving uh, incentives um to to show how you can as an individual also contribute uh, exactly to this mm -hmm. okay well so that's uh, thank you for that now so what you're saying so i i'm really um pleasantly surprised about uh, the openness with which you acknowledge the challenge right as you say it's an existential threat um i think what you're trying to say is that um, the approach that the Commission is adopting is trying to match that existential threat uh, by having a law, by having a range of initiatives. Um, 
if you look around, because it's not just the commission, it's also the council, the member states and leaders there, um, what type of leadership qualities are now really important? Um, we can make the parallel with how the COVID pandemic is being dealt with. And you can see quickly across nations and, and in particular outside Europe, sort of the examples where people take a really proactive stance and some that are quite dismissive. So, you know, if you now make the connection with um, climate crisis, what type of leadership qualities are important? Um, particularly now, we, we need uh, visionaries mm -hmm. um, who look beyond the normal electoral cycles, if I may uh, say so. And because uh, in, in the end, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> also the, the, the global warming uh, <clears throat> context. This is something uh, which, if we don't uh, react now, will um, happen and has the potential to, to destroy our, our planet. But you need to have a long-term uh, vision um, and also a lot, lot, lot of courage to tackle now the necessary uh, reforms. If we don't start now with the, with the reforms, um, this might come in too late if uh, reforms are launched only in five to ten years. Um, apart from this, I think what is also important to, to mention that uh, we have to acknowledge that the um, situations in the different regions and, and countries are, are different. If you take also um, the industrial structure, so there are um, regions, there are countries who are still um, using a lot of fossil fuels and which are dependent. Um, so we have also, uh, um, with the pace and the intensity, of course, be able to differentiate and to show solidarity with uh, with countries who um, are facing bigger challenges like other countries who are blessed with, let's say, for example, more solar already energy or, or wind energy. So it's also about um, solidarity, taking them um, uh, with us. Um, it's also about uh, showing best practice examples that what we are doing is not only uh, about um, e ecological solutions, but also economic solutions, modernizing. Um, so it's, uh, it's uh, leading by example and uh, being able to differentiate whilst uh, agreeing all on, on the objective, which is the, the climate neutrality by, by 2050. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. So... Talking about leadership, um, you also lead a team. Um, how do you how do you keep going? Because the challenges, as you describe, are existential. Um, the pace uh, of response is is of course slow because it's complex and you need to involve lots of people. How do you keep going from day to day, from week to week, um, and and perhaps also have to deal with setbacks from time to time? How do you personally manage that? I think my, my personal experience, um, and this is something which uh, which drives me, and uh, where I, I can sincerely and openly say I'm 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 ne never bored. Uh, that is uh, the privilege to, to be able to work in a in a in a big um, administration and institution like like the European Commission with a lot of qualified uh, uh, colleagues uh, working in different departments. We speak about uh, DGs, Director Generals, mm -hmm. who all contribute with their with their expertise, uh, also with their their um, their policy objectives uh, we do not always uh, um, agree at the at the beginning but it's a, a very open transparent um, discourse oriented uh, a process 
Um, of course, in the end, decisions need, need to be, be taken. So um, I see when you say about setbacks, uh, when when there are disagreements on on the pace, on on the content, on on, on the on the structure, um, I see it uh, as an enriching process. Uh, mm. One, of course, has also be um, to be realistic uh, that there are there are many aspects which need to be taken in, into into account, and I think um, this broad um, process which of course implies also consultation involvement of stakeholders and and citizens uh, enables then the best possible pragmatic um uh, outcome mm -hmm. uh, but i personally of course i i i admit that uh, sometimes i would like to move uh, faster mm -hmm. uh, more more ambitions but i think that's uh, that's uh, th that's life um and we have to 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 make sure that it's uh, uh, that we are coming out with balanced uh, solutions uh, which do not uh, leave anyone one behind so and i think the uh, process how we are designing it is as well uh, well tailored to to achieve these objectives mm -hmm. and if yourself you have a bad day do you, you i hear you you love cycling uh, or other type of exercise just to, to kind of cope So is that what you do? Or? Yes, personally, I must say that I, I um, benefit very much from from my passion for for sport, and it's uh, a long distance uh, running. So I I I, I do uh, if I have the time now a bit less than in the past uh, marathons. I, I like uh, cycling oh. uh, uh, a lot during the weekend, and this uh, kind of endurance sport mm. uh, helps me also to endure. Uh, show um, patience uh, at at work. Uh, never give up. I mean, it's it's a it's a motto which is often used, but you can apply it uh, on a, on a, on a daily daily basis. Uh, life is not a straight line. Mm -hmm. It's an up and uh, up and down. And I think it's <clears throat> important not to lose uh, sight of the of the of the overall um, objectives. Um, but there are several ways to 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 reach it. Um, and we are working in uh, together with uh, with with other colleagues, so it's it's normal uh, that you have to find the best possible uh, argument, mm -hmm. uh, and that you don't always uh, get succeed <laughs> to, to get it right. But I right. must uh, admit that indeed the the sport uh, me, for me personally, there are colleagues who have other interests, be it, be it cu uh, culture, uh, traveling, or, or whatever. Um, but it's it's important to find also good work life balance uh, yeah. to to be successful at work. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, well, because it's only not only for ourselves, but uh, it's really at the service of. I think uh, that's I think what you're describing this process. So wonderful. A any final things you wanted to share, or perhaps if people wanted to know more about the either the European Green Deal or specifically the research that you do and um, the other type of work that you that you share where can they find more um yes you will find a uh, plenty of information on um how we um engage uh, scientific community citizens and other actors on our website uh, of dg research and, and innovation um where you can find uh, also a lot about our financial instruments we are having the new generation of the framework program is called horizon europe um uh, where we will have uh, um, a lot of programs to 
finance and to support uh, research uh, and innovation activity. So I would uh, really invite you to have a look at our, our website of DG Research and Innovation. There's also a specific uh, section on the European Green Deal where you can find a lot of links also to the overall um, policy objectives we have been discussing today. Thank you. Thank you, Bernd. Well, this is a really helpful uh, wrap-up and um, encouraging to hear uh, all the initiatives that you're involved in. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and I'm curious what, uh, what, will, what will follow from this. So thank you. Welcome. Pleasure to have been with you. Reflecting on the conversation with Bernd, I have a deeper appreciation for the enormity of the task and the role of the European Commission. From the outside, it's so easy to criticize because we look at it through our own particular lens. Climate activists say that the Commission's Green Deal is too little, too late, while farmers and other stakeholders believe the Commission is too radical. The Commission is there, of course, to take into account the interest of all of its citizens, as well as future generations. In the context of the European Green Deal, it pledged to leave no one behind. And that is not an easy position to take. And as a consequence, change will be slower and more diffused than if the Commission had taken a more narrow view. But that's a choice we've made as a European democracy. And I'm grateful to Bern for being so open and for giving a voice to the Commission's broad response. The question remains though, if our planet needs faster change, what can we do as citizens in the meantime? Next week, we'll continue our inquiry and meet with Christine Wamsler, professor at Lund University Center for Sustainability Studies in Sweden. We'll ask her what evidence there is for short-term collective mindset change and why mindfulness is one of the most promising interventions to bring about societal change. So subscribe to the Inner Green Deal podcast and continue to hear about the struggles, the insights and the inspiration of those on the front line of climate action. Thank you for listening and take care.